Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. Monday edition. Plenty of reaction from Selection Sunday. Chad's perfect bracket has been filled out. And great guests like Dan Dockett, who joins us in 20 minutes to give his take on who he thinks is headed to the Final Four, who was snubbed from the committee. Andrew Bogut will be joining us in our number three. A chance to catch up with the former Ute uh, from Utah. Tournaments past. And Armando Salguero, a busy day across the NFL, the quote-unquote legal tamper, tampering period. Prior to Wednesday's start of free agency, it's well underway and a lot to discuss. Withrow, good to see you. Good to see you, Hutton. I think Dan Dockich will love my uh, bracket because I have his Hoosiers going very, very far. I noticed that, yes. Yeah. So he's going to like it. He may take exception to who you have them losing to, though, maybe. Possibly, possibly. We'll have to find out in about 20 minutes. Well, I think for the most part, the bracket is pretty good, um, give or take some seeding issues that we can get into. But Chad, you have beef with the reasoning behind what the committee did and why. Yeah, I'll start by saying exactly what you just said, Hutton, and that is I think for the most part, I don't have huge issues, save Texas A&M. Maybe Rutgers has a beef also. But the issue that I alluded to before this all started, and I knew that it would happen, and the committee chairman, Chris Reynolds, who's the athletic director at Bradley, he does his standard interview with CBS right after the brackets are announced where he goes on. I'm sure the questions are given to him in advance. Some people say that he was reading a teleprompter for his answers. I don't think so. I think he was just looking at a video. I think a monitor was slightly below the camera, and he was looking at the guys asking him the questions while they were being asked. But he definitely knew the questions that were headed his way. And one of the questions, I believe it was from Jay Wright, in fact, was about injuries and how injuries played a part in the selection process. And he went right down the list. He said, Tennessee, UCLA, even mentioned Rutgers, who's not in the field, and they've got two guys out that start for them normally, but went through the teams that we know have injury issues with high-profile guys and said, yeah, that factors in. I think that what they call it is availability concerns. So if you have an injury and a star player is not going to play in the tournament, they put that under availability concerns, and your seed line is affected. I think the seed line was affected for Tennessee. I'm not saying they definitely deserved a three seed. I think they may have gotten one if the guy Ziegler was, was healthy, but he's not. So for that reason, they're a four seed. I think you go down the list of other teams that could have been influenced by that. UCLA, did they drop to a two? I, I don't know. Maybe. He mentioned that that was a concern because one of their star players is out with injury. My point is consistent here. It's not about what the committee thinks you will do. It's about what you've done. I don't care what your projection is. The NCAA tournament is a reward for an entire season that begins in November and ends in March. What you do in November matters the same as what you do in February and March. Now that the tournament is here, 
that supersedes everything. But to get in line to the tournament and the event that supersedes all, you play the regular season in your conference tournament. And whatever you did throughout that time, that's your resume. That's it. That's all I want everyone in the committee to evaluate every year. What have you done? Not what you think that we're going to do. That's it. It's very simple. And I hate when we get into this situation where you have Hutton, a committee, and Chris Reynolds uh, announced it and said, yeah, we're looking at injuries and we're looking at what we think teams can accomplish in the tournament. But That's for us to do when we fill out our brackets, when yeah. these brackets come out. But I don't think there's a big jump between seeds this year in college hoops. I don't think there's much of a difference between the opponent that Tennessee would get at four versus three in this bracket. I, I, I don't either. And again, I, my whole thing is do, eliminate that. I don't want that to be part of the criteria they're well, looking at. If a guy gets injured in February and a team loses eight of their last nine games, well, that's just part of their resume. Now, we can and, go back and say, well, of course it's because the player's out, but that just leads to whatever seed they have. Yeah. Not, I, not about what availability may be for someone. But I don't get the sense that the committee can eliminate any argument whatsoever because they make up whatever they want to based on the individual team not the year, right? So, for instance, Texas A&M, right? Last year, they were saying they weren't playing. They The body as a whole, they weren't playing very well. Texas A&M turned it on, though, towards the end of the season and was very good uh, and shouldn't be a seven seed. Let me get into but, Texas A&M. You, but know, what, you know why they seed, did that? Yeah, because they're playing Texas potentially in round two. Two That's reasons. That's why they're doing Two that. reasons. And I'll get to the main reason right now. The main reason is because the NCAA is like a scorned ex-girlfriend. And if you cross them, they screw you over. And that is what they've done. Buzz Williams went on a tirade last year when they were left out of the tournament. And I firmly believe they got penalized because he was so vocal about how they deserved a spot a year ago and how embarrassed they were of the process with the NCAA. I think they penalized them a couple lines for that same reason. They also wanted them with Texas in the second round, and that helped. But I think part of it is the fact that they're spiteful. With teams. Remember, go back to the Bruce Pearl situation. Remember they said, if you lie to us, it's not about what you did, but if you lie to us, that's when we're going to get you. I just think it's a spiteful organization. But they, but they love Bama because of how Bama has handled uh, since January 15th. Well, like, they, they, again, don't, like, they don't care because Bama didn't do anything to them. If you talk about them, I, I saw Joe Lenardi even say, well, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee is human, and they read and saw what Buzz Williams said about them a year ago. Right. So they're going to come back and say that. They, they don't even care about Bama because Bama hasn't said anything bad about the NCAA. That's the sad part about this. Yeah, well, and, and Bama on the court is a deserving number one overall seed. Um, Kansas has some beef, though, Chad. Kansas, based on where they were seeded, and of course, Bill Self, I'm sure, going back to your point, played a role in how the committee views Kansas. Kansas had the opportunity to play the Sweet 16 in Kansas City, I believe, is going to be the host site there. Yep. Instead, it's now Houston that gets that spot and not Kansas. So they'll be traveling, which, I mean, they still get the, the great bracket for how things pair up for them, but they don't get that home court advantage the way that, in a weird way, Auburn. Auburn is playing in Birmingham. Um, that's a reward for Auburn, despite how low they're seeded. I don't know how they come up with the home court advantage opportunities for some lower seeds when Kansas had the chance, based on the block the block of the number one seed where they would have been, 
um, to play in Kansas City instead of you know, across the country. Well, Seth Davis asked that question, and they compared the resumes. He asked it to to Chris Reynolds, the committee chairman, of the difference between Houston and Kansas. And Seth Davis said, I think you got it wrong. It should be flip-flop here. Yeah. Kansas should be ahead. And Chris Reynolds gave a good enough explanation. He said, I think it was 15-2 and two was the number against quad one and quad two for Houston. And Kansas was 21-7. and seven. So the percentage was just a little bit better for Houston. Now, but here's again where we get into this is the selective part of the process, yeah. right? Selective outrage. Not mad about Alabama being involved in a murder and yeah. then allowing the guy to he's play. He's going to be the national but, player of the year, but, but it's okay but, when to be a number one overall seed. We hate Buzz Williams because he spoke out against us a year ago, so we're going to mm-hmm. penalize them a couple spots for that. So they're very selective in it. Marcus Sasser may not play. He's their best player for Houston. He got hurt in the semifinal of the AAC tournament, hurt his groin, pulled it, yeah. did not play in the championship. That clearly affected them. You know, They lose to Memphis in that game, yes. but... I, the but selective I part of this bothers me because if you're looking at injuries, I don't want them to look at injuries, but if you're looking at it, wouldn't you say Kansas would flip-flop and be better for the second number one seed as opposed I, to the third? I would think so, but I don't even know. Like The only thing that matter from the conference tournaments to me are the injuries. Texas A&M, again, went on a run in the SEC tournament, and they're a, a seven seed. I don't know how much you, you, they value conference tournaments the way the conferences want us to buy in to last week. And, and that's power five, I'm saying. Of course, the one-bid or two-bid leagues, those matter. You know, you're taking up spots from at-large teams. But look, we're, we're headed into an era where they're going to expand the tournament even more. 90-plus teams. So we're arguing... Or, Chad and I are. And I mean, I, there's not much beef I have with who got in and who didn't uh, for the 68, the field of full 68. But imagine arguing 90 or 91. Like it, it's going to be really watered down uh, as you look at the last few teams in here as they rank every team one through 68. The first four out across the country, Oklahoma State, Rutgers, UNC, and Clemson. Clemson who beat NC State three times this season, they are looking on the outside in. And you also had the last four in, Mississippi State, Pitt, Arizona State, and Nevada. I don't have a big problem if you're looking at the entire body of work. Many are saying Mississippi State is undeserving. I don't have a problem with that, Chad, if they're going to tell us that they're looking at everything since November and not the last two months. Yeah, I don't. Again, like the who's out and who's in. There's no big beef I have. Like A and M last year. A and M last year. A and M once again is the to me the big point of contention. That's the bone of contention I have. A year ago, I thought they should have been in. Now I think they should have been a four or five seed based on the season they just had and what they were able to do in conference play. The conference tournament's not mattering. Again, we go back to this matters for some. Doesn't matter for others. I'll, I'll argue this. I think if North Carolina beats Virginia in the ACC tournament, I think committee probably finds a way to put them in with another win over Virginia. Arizona State absolutely got in based on a win over USC in the quarterfinals of the Pac-12 mm-hmm. tournament. They're not in if they don't win that game. Vanderbilt beats Kentucky for a second time in a week. And they don't get in in the conference tournament. Not even close to it. And there's and there's other reasons we could get into that too with Van. I understand Vandy fans being upset the way they looked late in the year, but unfortunately for Vandy, the start of the year matters too, and they were pathetic 
and they dug themselves such a hole it was it was hard to dig out of from a lot of the metrics that people look at. Um, a lot of the eye test also is another thing we keep hearing about, right? Well, this team passes the eye test or this team doesn't pass the eye test. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We, we're going to go through this bracket throughout the week. I, I'm going to point to a game right now. Virginia and Furman are going to play. These are two teams that will grind any game they play to a halt, and they're both going to try to do that. That's not beautiful basketball to some. But you look at their Ken Palm deficiency uh, rankings or def- defensive efficiency rankings, that's beautiful. That's beautiful to their coaches. Tony Bennett's got no issue. Uh, he, he's fine with the beauty of that type of game. My point being, everyone can find something different they like about a team. We could all look at five-star players and say, boy, they looked the part, and that looks like a tournament team. Yep. But I just want it to go back to what have you done? Let's look at who you played, how you did in those games, what are your key wins, what's your strength of schedule, what are all the other metrics they look at numbers-wise, and then decide who goes where and what seeds people have, and less about let's project to get either this matchup, Texas, Texas A&M, or let's project what you can do once you get there because you may be without a player due to injury. Big Ten and the SEC each putting eight teams in as leading the the conferences and most teams that are in the bracket participating starting on uh, the opening round, and then we get to Thursday. Big 12 has seven teams repped. ACC, rare you see this, only five. Tied with the Big East and Pac-12 with four. Mountain West, West Coast, and American uh, also represented with the multi-bid leagues across the country for the 2023 NCAA tournament. Chad, today is uh, the first day that teams can officially or unofficially talk with agents repping players across the NFL prior to Wednesday's start of the new league year. It's when teams can actually sign players. You can agree to terms now. And we know Jimmy Garoppolo is headed to Vegas to play for the Raiders. I still think they're going to draft a quarterback as well. That's because Jarrett Stidham uh, is moving on. He's headed to Denver. So instead of backing up Jimmy G, he's headed to back up Russell Wilson. That leaves a backup spot or a second QB spot to battle for the starting job, depending on where the, the, the Raiders choose to go. Still don't know about Aaron Rodgers. Four, four minutes before we went live today, Trey Wingo tweeted out that the deal with the Jets and the Packers is done for Aaron Rodgers and that how things go full circle 15 years ago this year um, from, from right now, Brett Favre was traded to the Jets. And now we see 15 years later, Aaron Rodgers potentially traded to the Jets. That's because Ian Rappaport, a minute ago, went on NFL Network and said that there is nothing official with this trade, that neither team has heard from Aaron Rodgers on what he wants to do. Meanwhile, the Jets await Rodgers' decision and... There are multiple QBs making the rounds, agreeing to terms elsewhere. This, this impacts more than the Jets, but specifically New York is waiting on this or bust. Garoppolo has signed. We have seen uh, other QBs. Mike White, their backup in New York. He's now the backup in Miami. He's agreed to terms on a two-year contract. Derek Carr is already in New Orleans. What happens to the Jets if they don't get Rodgers because they didn't get Carr and... They're probably left with the draft 
after this, or Zach Wilson as the backup to whoever they want to bring in right now. You don't want to end up with Carson Wentz. And if Rodgers chooses to retire, that may be who they go with. I mean, that's how bad it could be on the drop-off for the New York Jets who are trying to win a Super Bowl and could be just saying, hey, maybe we just make the playoffs again. It could impact the Tennessee Titans, who could entertain trade offers for Ryan Tannehill. And then you go into the draft, where we now know Carolina holds the number one overall selection, trading with Chicago on Friday. But then who moves up in front of Indianapolis, where Arizona says we're open for business, come come one, come all with the offers for the quarterbacks. A lot of moving parts if Rodgers chooses not to go to New York. And even if he does, that will leave another opening for someone else to come in and sign another QB that's on the market or potentially call teams like the Titans who have not definitively said Tannehill's their guy. But we still wait on Rodgers officially because Rappaport and Schefter haven't said anything other than no one's heard from Rodgers. Wingo's saying it's done. Here is where the Jets go if they can't land Aaron Rodgers. Nowhere. They're, they're dead. This is it. Everything is falling into place now where they're going to be, when this game of musical chairs is done and that music stops, they're going to be sitting there with nothing, a big pile of nothing at quarterback back. Unless Aaron Rodgers would just admit that he's coming back. I do not understand. He, he had the isolation retreat. He's there at flag football games talking to Brandon Marshall. Just say that you're coming back. Maybe they're waiting to announce this jointly when the deal gets done, that he's coming back and he's been traded to the Jets. I, I don't know what, what the weight is on it. Um, anything from the start, anything that did not lead to Aaron Rodgers being traded to the Jets and playing for the Jets next year was going to surprise me. I'd still be shocked if a deal doesn't get done and he's not their quarterback. But if I'm a Jets fan... I'm awfully nervous right now that you're going to be the left. You're going to be the one left standing when the music stops. Well, and then uh, the Packers also need to know: Are they going to free up salary cap space? Are they going to have to pay the price there or not? Uh, Mark Murphy has all but said he's gone. He referred to Rodgers, the president of the Packers, in the past tense uh, in a chat on Friday. So they're moving on to Jordan Love one way or the other. And the question is: Is it Rodgers to the Jets or is he going to retire? And we still await official word. Again, Trey Wingo saying that the deal is done. ESPN and NFL Network saying they, nothing has happened yet. They're still awaiting word from Aaron Rodgers. I just saw on Twitter where the state of New York, the governor's declared a state of emergency, mobilizing the National Guard because of the storms yep. coming through this week. And everyone that covers football on my timeline immediately had the same joke. And retweeted that and said, man, this Aaron Rodgers of the Jets situation's really gotten out of hand because all the headlines are declare state of emergency in New York. So everyone at once all had the same joke. The craziness of uh, NFL free agency is well underway. And March Madness is here. Dan Dockage weighs in next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. 
Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Chad, how far do you have Indiana going? I have got the Hoosiers going all the way to the Final Four in Houston. So does our next guest. I'm sure he no does. No surprise. Dan Dockett joins us. Host of Don't At Me across the Outkick Network, mornings, 9 o'clock Eastern. Dan, the Hoosiers to the Final Four. What do you think, Dan? Chad's All right. with you. I got to tell you, uh, th- a little history lesson for you here. They can't lose this first-round game. Uh, when Calvin Sampson was cheating his brains out, his sidekick was a guy named Rod's, Rob Senderoff, a little weasel. So Senderoff is now the head coach at Kent State. So here's the backstory. So I come in there as the director of ops at Indiana in 07-08. I knew Senderoff from uh, being in the MAC. He was at Kent as assistant. I always thought he was a creepy little dude. But anyway, so now I'm working with him, and he very arrogantly tells me, well, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. This ain't that Bobby Knight stuff. And I looked at him, I said, well, good for you, man. Go get him. Well, fast forward about a month later, I find out that Senderoff and Samson are cheating their brains out. Fast forward to the middle of the season, or uh, Senderoff, uh, actually November, Senderoff gets fired because he's a cheat. I move into his job. Last I saw Senderoff is he was crying in my office. He had gone from... <laughs> This is a new sheriff to, Dan, please help me. I don't know what to do. I'm like, yeah, well, you're whatever. So anyway, (laughs) send her off because cheating pays in college basketball. uh, Gets brought back to Kent as an assistant. He ends up being the head coach. He's done a really good job. Point being, Indiana cannot lose to this clown. Uh, His name is synonymous with cheating and getting Indiana on into probation as much as Kelvin Sampson's is. But again, cheating uh, pays in college basketball as both Senderoff and Sampson are doing really well and they've got pretty good teams. But yes, I've got Indiana in the Final Four. Just don't lose the Senderoff. So a lot of Indiana ties here, Dan, as we just went through with the coach at Kent State. I got Indiana going to the Final Four. Chris Reynolds, a Hoosier, former player for Bobby Knight. He is the chairman of the selection committee. Now at Bradley, overall, what kind of job do you think that he did and the selection committee did and your thoughts on his interview with CBS right after it was unveiled? Yeah, I love Chris Reynolds. I recruited him. I coached him. He couldn't shoot, but, man, could he defend guard and was tough. I loved the interview. He was asked idiotic questions by a fool named Seth Davis, and Seth Davis got the answers that Seth Davis deserves, which is, shut up, Seth. There's no reason for you to be on this set. Uh, So I love that. Look, Chris Reynolds did perfectly by us Hoosiers. Purdue has an incredibly difficult road. Think about this. Indiana has to play the MAC champ. 
that's fine. That's hard. That's not good. Second round, Indiana has to play uh, either the Missouri Valley champ or a sixth-place team uh, in Miami. You know what Purdue's got to do? Purdue in the second round has got to play the AAC champ that just whooped the number one seed. Good for you, Chris Reynolds. You set Purdue up in the toughest bracket. Purdue then has to play the ACC champ, in theory, the hottest team in America probably, uh, named Duke. Chris Reynolds, you don't buy beer ever again in Knicks if I'm around you because you did what Indiana people are supposed to do. Slyly and sneakily help the Hoosiers get a better draw than the number one seeded Purdue. But otherwise, I think they did a great job. People can always complain. And look, here's what we get into. Billis is always going to complain that the seeding was wrong according to whatever Billis thinks. And then Vitale was always going to say that the, uh, the, the little guy got screwed. ESPN used to get so mad at me when I was on these shows and I would say, look, it's the same thing every year. And they'd be like, you can't say that. I go, I just did. So anyway, I thought Reynolds did great. Rutgers, I don't want to hear from you. You had the best win of the year, actually, at Purdue, but you didn't back it up with enough. I'm a big Steve Alford fan. Again, Alford, my college teammate, played at Indiana. Reynolds chairing the committee. Reynolds did us right at Indiana. It's the greatest selection show ever by the greatest head of the committee ever. Dan Dockage with us. Don't at him. Don't at me with Dan Dockage. Mornings uh, here on OutKick. Uh, how much pressure is Kentucky feeling in their first-round matchup against Providence, Dan? And how does it impact Calipari moving forward? Yeah, that's a great question because it was only a couple years ago Calipari was given the big deal where he's coach emeritus. Uh, I think there is a ton of pressure on Calipari. I think that he got a draw that he's probably not that upset with. Providence, not great, but Ed Cooley – uh, his guys, the coach of Providence, they love him and they play hard for him. I've said this from the get-go. Here's what you're going to watch in the Kentucky-Providence game. If you played shirts and skins and the shirts were just white T-shirts uh, and the other team was skins, you wouldn't know who's Kentucky and who's Providence. Providence, uh, oh, let me back up, Kentucky is not uber-talented. The one guy you would say is Sheboy and you go, okay, well, guess what? He plays at the at the perennial basketball power, Kentucky. But other than that, no, uh, I think this is a heck of a matchup. Now, here's what I always temper, fellas. I always say this. You know, you're making $9 million a year, is your Calipari. If you get beat and they fire you, they got to pay you $9 million a year for another 10 years or whatever. The real pressure is on the guy playing in the MAC championship game that hasn't made the tournament, MAC-AA and MAC-MAC, or the Horizon or those guys, because you get fired, uh, you don't have generational money. So, yes, externally, basketball-wise, Cal under a lot of pressure. I think if they lose this, uh, I think that the Kentucky faithful will, will look around and go, what jobs are open? What? The Bowling Green job is open. Can we get pal, uh, Cal to the Bowling Green? Like, let's get him to Western Kentucky. Let's go. Get him out of here. People are going to be blanked off. Well, if Kentucky wins, you don't have them going very far. In fact, you don't have an SEC school, uh, eight, eight teams represented. Um, you don't have them reaching the Final Four at all as a conference. Why? Well, Alabama probably is, but you know what? They sicken me. 
I would have had Tennessee, but losing Ziggler's a big deal. It really is. The great Andrew Dockage, basketball prognosticator and assistant coach at Illinois State, and my son said, Dad, I'm just telling you, I've studied all these teams, and outside of Alabama, the SEC is not very good at all. Uh, I do believe um, in Tennessee if they had Ziggler. I'll never believe uh, in Buzz Williams. Everybody and their mother can, and that's great. I never will. I think he loses to Penn State. Uh, I'm going with the great Andrew Dockage, my son, who said, Dad, I'm just telling you, I've studied them. They're going to go out quick. But I will go with me, Dan Dockage, and tell you, watch out for the Pac-12. They get up and down. They play fast. They, get, they, not, they do not play tight. Big Ten teams play tight. They do not. Pac-12 is going to have a pretty good tournament, I do believe, including USC beating Michigan State. You mentioned Buzz Williams. That was the big surprise from pretty much everyone that they were a seven and not a five, where most had them projected. Did did his running his mouth a year ago about not getting in and having that huge press conference called and everything he said about the selection committee? Dan, we know the selection committee. The NCAA remembers, right? Did they penalize him for last year with this? All right, I'm going to say yes, but that's unfair because I don't have everybody's numbers ahead of me. But I'm going to say hell yes, actually. Look, there, I got in trouble back in 2002 when my Bowling Green team didn't make it. We lost three times to Kent State, who I knew was historically great. They got, they got to the Elite Eight. And I said, there's nobody in America that can't tell me that back, background deals, backdoor deals are made. And I'll tell you why. Every single time Bob Knight called to the NCAA, Tom Jernstedt or one of the heads of the NCAA always called him back quickly. Not about selection. Every time I tried to call from Bowling Green, yeah, okay, Dan, and I've talked to numerous coaches, they could never, ever get a hold of Jernstedt, who has since passed away, or anybody at the NCAA. So Knight could, I'm sure Calipari can, Dean Smith could, Shashevsky could. Don't tell me for one second that these guys sitting in the room acting like they're robots aren't human beings. Absolutely. It tie went to whoever they tied with, meaning, oh, you guys are pretty equal. Uh, let's see. You know what? Penn State's pretty hot. Let's move Buzz into the seven hole, have him play against Penn State, a team that matches up really well with them. Absolutely it does, 100%. Dan, let's play a little game of love it or hate it. North Carolina, preseason number one, does not even make the tournament. First time ever that's happened. And then they immediately release a statement saying, we're not going to the NIT. At North Carolina, we're playing the NCAA tournament or bust, and our season ends and we get ready for next season now. Love it or hate it that North Carolina just decided we're not going to play in anything but the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I hate it. I'll tell you what, the NCAA bought the NIT, so it helps everybody. Now, look, when the NIT was a separate entity, a bunch of guys in New York running it, okay, you didn't want to support them. But you're an NCAA membership school. This is an NCAA event that they're trying to promote basketball with. There's no question the arrogance of North Carolina came out. I've always said two things about North Carolina, and this isn't true now, but this is how we felt at Indiana back in 81 when we beat them in the national championship game, 84 when we beat them. They're soft and they're arrogant. I've always said that. I got ripped for it, but they are, and you saw it here. I love Hubert Davis. I worked with Hubert Davis. He's a terrific guy. Great. Love Roy Williams. 
Dean Smith was always nice to me. But I, and I got some friends that played there, Buzz Williams, a couple other guys. But I got to tell you, this is arrogant. This doesn't help basketball. They should be in the NIT. They should be playing. They should be helping promote the game. And it's sickening to me that they're not. North Carolina, you suck. Who has the biggest beef who did not get into the tournament, Dan? Nobody. In my opinion, nobody. I, I, and I'm being serious here. Look, I get it. Rutgers had the best win maybe of anybody, and that was at Purdue. But they had a whole year. They had a whole year to, to show themselves, and they didn't. North Carolina certainly did not have a beef. I honestly look at it because all of a sudden, and I don't know why I did this, but I started watching a lot, and I mean a lot of the Mountain West. I don't know if it was on or I was gambling or Alford's my college teammate. He's at Nevada. You know, a combination of all of it. But I got to tell you, I'm watching the Mountain West, and I go, those teams are better than a lot of the middle of Big Ten teams. There's no question about it. Uh, I don't think anybody really had a complaint. And let's be honest, complaints are a little old now, aren't they? Complaints are a little passe. Like I said, Vitale's going to complain that the little guy didn't get in. Uh, Billis is going to complain because one of the seed lines isn't according to the Jay Billis uh, theory of whatever Billis's theories are. But I, don't, I honestly don't. I don't think anybody has a real complaint. I was, Chad and I were discussing earlier, I, I, you know, A&M could be a higher seed. I don't think the drop-off in, in opponent um, from a 5 to a 7 is all that different this year in particular. No, I agree. I agree. I look, I totally agree with you. I, I think that as you go through the entire field, uh, you know, if you want to tell me one should be a five, one should be a seven, I'd say, all right. I think Indiana did get, I do think Chris Reynolds did help them though, because if you look at it, they're five and five in their last 10, I got blown out at home. Uh, I guess they didn't get blown out. They made a comeback. I lost to Penn State, a 10 and 10 team, and they're sitting there on the four line. Beating Purdue twice certainly helped. They had some other wins. But, no, I, 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 I think we're seeing, because of older teams, I think we're seeing some parity. I think we're going to see a great tournament. You're going to come down to the wire. I'm not sure that you could consider a team like Drake uh, a Cinderella. Drake is really good and really old, and they have an NBA lottery pick uh, in the coach's son, Tucker DeFreeze. I don't think you can consider VCU a sleeper after watching them yesterday play against Dayton. And, frankly, uh, Indiana does have a tough first-round match uh, against a Kent team that I watched four or five times. Think about Kent. They played a five-point game with Houston back when Houston was the number one team in the country. Tied up, minute and a half to go. They lost, I think, by seven to Gonzaga uh, at Gonzaga. Drew Timmy kind of beat them up, but it was a tie game late in the second half. So, you know, you can make arguments about different seeds, but there's a lot of quality. It, it, it's, it's older players, transferred kids in their fifth, sometimes six years. Um, Cinderella may not – a true Cinderella – may not get past the 15-2 game, a true Cinderella. You know, let's say Asheville beats UCLA. Other than that, man, I, I'm just telling you, these teams are really good, and they're really old, and they're experienced on the 13-12 line, that kind of thing. So, Dan, last night I'm watching Bracketology on ESPN. They had one active head coach as a guest on the show. Would you like to guess what program ESPN highlight, highlighted, what guest they had on the show last night? After the brackets run, well, well, 
I didn't see it, but it's either Duke or, or Calipari because Calipari begs to go on those shows. So it. I'm going to guess Duke. Let you, me guess Duke. You got it right. Your first guess was correct. They had John Shire yeah. uh, from Duke on as their, as their one guess. And Jay Billis and John Shire joked back and forth. And the interview was fine. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was very skeptical of what I saw when John Shire had to fill in for Coach K a year ago. But as far as succession plans from a legend to the next coach goes – it does feel like it's going pretty well right now for John Shire, especially the way they closed out the season. What do you think of his first season, Dan? Oh, I think it was great. Now, let me, let me explain something to you. In coaching, there's something called the Mike Davis rule, and you're seeing it with Jawan Howard. When you take over as an assistant going to the head coach, you get a couple – when you take over from a historically great coach, Bob Knight, historically great coach, John Beeline, historically great coach – uh, Mike Krzyzewski, historically great coach. When you take over for them, the culture is intact. The discipline is intact. The style of play is intact. And you saw it with Mike Davis. Once the Bob Knight thing wore off, basically 2002, 2003, then he had to put his own culture in, and it went south. I did an article, I did an interview uh, with the Michigan people saying the same thing. Look, Juwan Howard replaced John Beeline. He had Beeline's discipline, he had Beeline's structure, he had Beeline's players, and he was very successful. Now it's starting to become his deal, and he's got to figure out his own culture. I think John Shire is going to be terrific. I honestly do. I, I think the recruiting class is great. However, I will give you the Mike Davis theory in coaching. He got Coach K's discipline. He got Coach K's long history of organizational uh, greatness. He got his history of players. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you got to go, and you're, you're the recipient of that for the first couple years. We'll see year three, year four. He's off to an absolutely great start. And when I watched him yesterday, the one thing that I really liked, I thought body language, facially, everything, he looked like a guy in total control of the program. It's hard. I mean, think about it. You're on the sideline, first time as a head coach, really the head coach, and Kay's not here. It, it, it takes a minute till it feels totally yours. And to Shire's credit, I felt like he uh, lately here, particularly yesterday, or was it yesterday or Saturday, whatever day it was, uh, I thought he looked in complete command. But the Mike Davis rule applies here. Dan, Chris Beard has won everywhere, but two months after he's fired at Texas, he lands the job at Ole Miss. Is he winning at Ole Miss? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I think he probably is. He has won everywhere. Uh, he is a terrific coach. He's a terrific recruiter. You know, there's a saying in coaching, the great uh, assistant coach at Indiana, then head coach at Indiana State, Royce Waltman, said, get fired for anything, and I mean anything, in college basketball except for losing, and you will always get another job. So now we got a guy. The police report is horrific. I like Chris Beard, as I think I told you guys. I sent him texts uh, over this time. But get fired for anything, anything. You can choke your girlfriend in a police report. Hell, you'll get a job within six weeks in college basketball. Kind of disgusts me. I hope he does well. I hope everything's good. He is really, at least my interactions with him, always been a good dude. But, hell, uh, who knows when the front door closes. Yeah, I think he's going to win. History tells me he's going to win. Uh, my wife, has, I've never been to Ole Miss, but my wife tells me if she ever goes back into coaching, she'll take any job in Oxford because it's like <laughs> her favorite city in the world when she was doing games for ESPN. So, yeah, I think he'll be just fine. What's the scene like at the Dockage household on Thursday when the games tip? 
Uh, my wife will be elsewhere because I'll have 7,622 bets go, and I'll have people <laughs> calling me saying, what do you think? When are we live betting? Uh, it's going to be chaos. A guy wants me to uh, come over and play poker in the afternoon. I'm like, are you out of your mind? It's a work day for me. I got money to make, baby. That's right. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, hey, I want you guys to know I'm going to post a video later on today at OutKick. Literally from where I'm sitting, it's, it's a mile and a half, is Pat McAfee's studio, the Thunderdome. Yep. So I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to sit outside, and I'm going to wait for the white smoke to come from Aaron Rodgers' decision because he only tells McAfee if he's going to, you know, what he's going to do. So I think tomorrow morning, starting about 8, I'll send a century out there because Tuesdays is when, Mac when McAfee and Rodgers get together. And we'll wait for the popal, the biblical, the papal white smoke to come out to let us know that a trade is made. I'll keep you guys updated with firsthand knowledge. Yeah. News will be broken on Don't At Me in the Outkick Network when that happens yeah. because of your proximity. <laughs> the Jets will be yeah, paying, paying close attention too because they say they haven't heard from him. Uh, who knows where the decision's yeah. going to end up. Hey, hey, pull this. It plays jingle bells. Here's the deal. Uh, every job that I have been involved in, whether it's to go from Indiana to Bowling Green, from Bowling Green to West Virginia, become the head interim head coach at Indiana, what a marshal, whatever job I have been involved in, it has always been done way before it gets out into the media. I know times are different. The Jets can say whatever they want, and if they haven't heard from them, maybe so, but they know. Somehow they know, whether it's an agent, whatever, they know. It's just a matter. It's just a matter. Like Matt Painter, when he was going to go to Missouri, he took the job, but he couldn't ultimately pull the trigger on leaving home. The deal is done. I promise you, it's just a matter of whether or not Rodgers can pull the trigger. That's personal. People think of these guys and coaches, well, you get fired. No, no, no. Or you move to another job. It's tough when you've been somewhere so long to finally, finally say, I'm gone. I'm done. It's hard as hell. I, it really is. So if it doesn't happen or if it falls through, it's because Rodgers ultimately couldn't quite pull the trigger. Dan, always great, man. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the tournament tip-offs on Tuesday and then as we finally get going on Thursday. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah, Dan. Man. Uh, don't at me with Dan Dockich. Uh, mornings here, 9 o'clock Eastern on OutKick. Coming up, quarterback news, including Lamar Jackson and what has or has not happened this, this weekend and what can't happen until Wednesday. Next on OutKick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, Kick 360 rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hunting Withrow with you. Chad, um, Lamar Jackson, I was talking about this this morning with Dockich on Don't At Me. Lamar Jackson 
is in a different window altogether than what we're seeing with the free agent frenzy and negotiations. Teams can contact agents, but because Lamar represents himself, you can't contact the player of another team. So we'll find out on Wednesday about certain offers to Lamar Jackson. I don't... I mean, I guess you just don't want to pay the 10%. That's the reason not to have an agent. I just feel like if you're operating at his level, that is a necessity to have someone to negotiate on your behalf if you're Lamar Jackson. There's and a reason some, some that of the he deals, is an exception and not the rule. Yeah, but some of the deals you have uh, the 10% or a certain percentage taken out every single year. You know, it's... It, yeah typical to get 3%, but the 3% comes out every year of the contract, not the year you negotiate, which is also uh, frustrating for players. Especially if you, I don't think this is all just because he doesn't have an agent, but I do think well, we're now, seeing a reason why, why people have agents. For today, yes, uh, with the craziness. And also, I mean, uh, deals were being announced within the first hour of the quote-unquote legal tampering period. You can negotiate, but for deals to get done that soon, you know they've been going on. Uh, behind the scenes for quite a while. Jonu Smith traded today uh, from the New England Patriots to the Atlanta Falcons, so that reunites him with Arthur Smith after two seasons in New England. The rest of his career has been with Arthur Smith, tight ends coach, offensive coordinator in Tennessee, and now head coach in Atlanta. Chad, this is great for him, and he should flourish in that offense because we saw it firsthand, and then they didn't use him properly in New England after paying him. Arthur Smith definitely has the keys to unlock the Jonu Smith code. There's no doubt about that. So this does make sense. It's a guy he's familiar with, knows how to work with him in an offense. And I, with Arthur Smith, it does seem like, knowing him from his time here in Nashville with the Titans, he knows how to work well with certain guys that may not work yeah. out everywhere. He's good at that. He's good at seeing a skill set and developing offense and helping that player maximize potential. That was John U. Smith with the Titans. That wasn't John U. Smith with the Patriots. Maybe now that Arthur Smith has him again, it will be John U. Smith with the Falcons. The Chiefs are replacing Orlando Brown, who's an unrestricted free agent they chose not to tag, uh, with Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle, to play left tackle now uh, in Kansas City. Comes from Jacksonville to KC. Other news, Javon Hargrave from Philly gets big money to go to the 49ers. That deal becomes official like all of them on Wednesday. Dolphins have traded for Jalen Ramsey. We'll get into that with Armando Salguero coming up in about 25 minutes. But when we come back, there's an SEC team with fans that showed up to the SEC tournament and admitted they were killing their way through the SEC. We lead with that and Brandon Miller winning the tournament MVP and helping Alabama to the number one overall seed. That's next now, Kick 360. 